This is Buildcast, hosted by Alex Kim and Fei Fan Wan. This podcast is about the story of two friends building and launching an iPhone app called Core 15. Welcome to our journey. Hey guys, this is a new episode of Buildcast where we talk about. Developing and launching an iPhone app called Core 15. This is Fei. Hi, I'm Alex, and we're the hosts of this podcast. All right. So in the last episode, you know, we were talking about looking at、uh, the ways that we can communicate with our users, essentially in-app messaging, getting feedback, and that sort of thing. So we're looking to a few different vendors. So since we last talked. We've been working day and night on preparing the app so that it's ready for a public beta launch. So far, we have a list of about a hundred people ready to test our app, and we're、uh, really, really excited to finally show them what we've built. You know, the app has been ready for for use for a while. You know, the core job of the app, which is to deliver fifteen minute core workouts, that's been like ready to go.、Um, but it's just interesting that we haven't really shipped it.、Uh, we're the first ones to tell anyone that they need to get that out into the public as soon as possible. So、uh, the reason that we haven't done so is because we just kind of got caught up in. Implementing some、uh, features that we just frankly thought were cool. It's not a strategy that I would personally recommend for app developers out there, but that's what we did. A lot of the beta timing kind of came around that some of the big iOS nine、yeah. announcements and、yeah. a lot of their keynote,、uh, Apple's keynotes. So. As you may remember, I've been developing the app with the latest beta of Xcode, which、uh, has Swift 2.0 and has all of the latest iOS 9 features. And it, yeah, the timing was excellent because as of right now, iOS 9 launched this past Wednesday, which was about six days ago. And we were able to finally、uh, submit the app that we've been building for public beta because that was actually not allowed for apps that were developed with a with a beta version of Xcode. So be careful with that. If you're building your app against a beta version of Xcode, you may not be able to ship it as a public beta.、Uh, but we were okay because of the keynote and everything like that. But namely, when I kind of got sidetracked with was、uh, to implement Core Spotlight,、uh, and what that does is basically the user can search for keywords that you index into the into the local like into just the device. So you can search for things like ab exercises, core workouts, fifteen minute workouts, things of that nature, and our app would come up. And what ended up taking me like. Four other additional hours to implement was to figure out how we can actually deep link a specific result into the workout. So let's say if you search for Tabata, and one of our workout is called Burn Tabata, and that specific listing item comes up, now you can actually tap on that, and it would take you straight into the workout. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's completely necessary, but. That made me really happy. Yeah. Well, we did try to silverline that investment, right? Yeah. We, especially considering what we had just mentioned about the timing against 
Apple's new news release around iOS 9 and around uh, Xcode, we figured it's always good to become the poster child of the marketplace that you're trying to cater to. Yeah. And um, especially if you've watched any of these Apple keynotes, they let the app logos fly in some of their videos and bring them up on stage. <laughs> and so there's a little bit more of that silver lining that we placed against this saying, hey, yeah. if we're the ones to push all of this cool stuff against the newest, shiniest things that yeah. they released, maybe there's a little bit of a yeah. marketing play yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, and that, I mean, that's kind of what I struggle with internally just a little bit because you know on my own sort of educational content that i push out via a site called secret sauce i try to like you know teach people or at least like indie app developers on how to like get to value creation uh, the fastest with the app that you're building you know some of these things may not you know what i'm seeing just from talking to uh, everyday iPhone users is that all of these new features that are coming out, it's uh, kind of creating a divide between the people that can really use the device well and, and utilize all of its features versus people like my mom who knows how to check email, download an app, uh, use the app, uh, browse the web and do phone calls and whatnot. You know, so something like Core Spotlight, you kind of have to know that you can go and do that to do that. So I'm not sure if it's really necessarily creating a, the most direct value for our users or even just kind of business value for ourselves. But then sometimes you do have to balance that with being in the Apple universe. And part of that is to build things that Apple is trying to push. Things like HealthKit, things like Core Spotlight, things like 3D Touch. Because one of their incentives is to get the, their end users to eventually adopt these features. And part of that is that the apps themselves have to adopt that. Um, so I think that's kind of the rationale behind kind of pushing some of these features out. You know, I, I think it's an assumption, but it's just that I, th I think that the app store editors are, would just be more likely to feature our app just because we have these features. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I think there's been a kind of push and pull between us too, where the first time we started this project, it was at that project level where we thought it would just be fun to build an iOS app. Yeah. Before we even discussed anything about it becoming a, a, a full-on product or even discussing how it was going to be a full-on business, we thought, man, it would just be fun, right? Yeah. Just fun to put our craft against this. Yeah. And so in a moment like this, where all of these shiny new toys come out of iOS 9 land, yeah. it's hard to not play into our natural inclinations, which is like, you give us new toys, we're going to want to play with those new toys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah. I think it was great overall, when I look retrospectively at that work against all those features, I thought, you know, it made me excited in the week to see that, and it made yeah. me excited to play with it in test flight when we were uh, trying it out. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I guess that's what I'm leaving it at. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, but I, I think it's ultimately it's helping our cause because the biggest thing is like, what is the fastest way a user can get to the intended purpose of your app, right? Which is to start a workout for us. <laughs> and part of that has been like, before you always had to at least like click on, find the icon, click on the icon 
click on the workout, tap on start workout. You Which know? is still one of the worst like paradigms yeah. in any system. Exactly. The whole like finding your app on your home screen yeah. experience is just exactly yeah. right. So yeah. I think that's what Apple is trying to implement with Core Spotlight is that what's on people's mind is not oh Core Fifteen or. Google Gmail or something like that, right? They're thinking about emails. They're thinking about reply to my dad or start a workout, right? I want to do a core workout, and you could actually have multiple apps that offer core workouts, which you know we're happy with. But you know, at least that gives all the apps that are contextually relevant to what the user needs at that specific moment to pop up. Just because of that, the user is able to like type something in and get to the workout right away. You know, like. I just love the idea that I can type in Tabata and get to this Tabata workout right off the bat. You know, rather be competitive on like the search optimization play than the yeah. wild west of we just don't know where we are on their home screen yeah. play. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, because yeah. you know the home screen in real estate at the end of the day is limited. Yeah. you know, and that's one of the things that we're hoping to implement next week as well is uh, when the iPhone success. Okay, iPhone success comes out. <laughs> we want to get 3D touch in there because that kind of like helps the same cause of helping the user to get to a workout with as few taps as possible. But you know, part of that also is we have a realistic idea about how long everything takes to implement and design and test and debug and everything like that. So I could see that as being a little bit more difficult if. You know, if the person in charge of the product is not necessarily uh, technical, and just kind of like commanding these features, I could see that as being a little bit more frustrating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess the the other thing that we worked on this week that doesn't necessarily serve that cost was HealthKit. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, and that's just being a confusing terminology for us because to the user, the app is just called Health. But to, to the developer, it's called Health Kit. Yeah, to all of you guys who have iPhones, it's that white logo with the little pink heart in the corner that's yeah. forced onto your phone. <laughs> you yeah. probably tucked away somewhere in the corner of your home screen. Exactly. And that's been interesting because as I play with it, it's actually pretty freaking awesome. It's it's an extremely comprehensive app that like tracks everything from like. Many many possible forms of exercises into nutrition's and types of workouts and all that kind of things and and also like your vital signs and health metrics, but you know so what we implemented there was at the end of a workout we kind of have an estimated amount of calories you would have burned. You can do a lot of things, but what's what was relevant to us was that you could track first of all a workout. So that's like start start time, end time, the type of workout that it was, and to that workout you can add the calories that the user would have burned if they completed the workout. So another example of it that I've seen in the wild is there is a gym that's popular in San Francisco and New York called Equinox, and what you can do is, is that you can actually check into one of their exercise classes, and if you complete the class. They actually have estimated amount of calories for that class, which they record into your health app as well. I think I initially brought it up, which is like, why not? It seems like it's relevant. 
and, and it seems like it'd be a good opportunity for us to become a quote unquote poster child again. Right. But you know, doesn't necessarily serve our need for for the user to get to value for just delivering the workouts. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. You know, I think that kind of uh, brings us into the next point, was was which was just that. I feel like I started implementing some of these things just to procrastinate against uh, shipping it. I mean, I think that's interesting too. I think another thing that was interesting about the decision to bring in HealthKit was that we didn't see a strong precedence around user behavior about using the health app itself. Not a lot of things are written out there in iOS land about just how users navigate through the health app how it gets integrated into other popular health apps or fitness apps out there. There was just like not a lot in this space. So for me too, um, when it came to figuring out how that integration experience was going to feel like between our Core 15 app and the health app itself, yeah. it was it felt kind of Wild West-like, right? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and we, it felt like we were definitely putting our foot into completely new territory, not for ourselves, yeah. but just like, for the whole yeah. like indie developer scene for yeah. iOS. Um, well, yeah, because like you know, you don't work out as much, but I I work out pretty regularly, and I feel like I personally don't use the health app. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of everybody that I know that work out, there's like one person that uses it. Right. So uh, you know, I feel like there isn't a lot of patterns, but I feel like it's okay because. I think it's pretty clear that that whole paradigm is here to stay. Yeah. And it's been here since I was eight. So right. it's been a number of months since that's happened. And the moment that I started tracking my workouts, it actually became kind of addicting. <laughs> right. Like I started with one dot on the calories graph and I wanted to track, then all of a sudden I wanted to track the bike ride that I took on Saturday. Right. And I wanted to track like this other workout that I did the other day, you know, so that kind of stuff became interesting to me because like I don't really have a view of my patterns or what like which weeks, you know, did I work out a lot? Which weeks did I not work out a lot? I don't, you know, I don't know what the possibilities there are, but I think what's cool is that as your, our own app, we could actually request for access for all the workouts that the user has done and Mm -hmm. all the calories that the user has done. And to me, that's really interesting because like we could actually display data around out of the 500 calories that you burn today, right? Like 140 of those came from core 15. And part of that, that's big too, is like, well, like you devoted that, those calories to your core. Right. Right. Versus like, I don't know, like steps or, you know, like even if you took like 10,000 steps, like you may not have really worked your core that day, which is necessary, right? If your goal is to get uh, ready for the beach or whatever. So I don't know. Like, I feel like I don't, I don't see a lot of that in the wild, but I feel like I could see a lot of potential kind of floating in my head. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It, it's any one of these things that kind of seemingly start off as a platform play. Yeah. And then you start building real interesting application on top of it. And I yeah. think this was just a little bit of our peek into that potential yeah. for sure. Yeah. But, you know, you were kind of also thinking about... Uh, staggering the features, like some of these features are like Core Spotlight and 
HealthKit out after we launched the beta. Right, right. Um, I mean, so, it was just yeah. something that like we were bringing up for discussion where, you know, it's that feeling of, don't you get that feeling that Apple could always give you like a A whatever, like they go from A2 chip to A3 to A4 to A, whatever, it's like 9 now, A9 yeah. chip. And it always feels like you probably could have given us the A9 chip like seven years ago, but you just... Decided to hold off on it. There's always that oh, feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, seemingly with this, too, where we had this feature list kind of growing and it became a little bit more uh, robust, it felt like, do we just give all of that up front to our uh, public beta group? Yeah. Or did we want to kind of create a little bit of a release cycle so that there's yeah. a little bit more of a story? Yeah, exactly. There's a little bit more of a journey yeah. in them being involved and us implying that their feedback is directly feeding into yeah. some of these new features that are coming out. What, whether it was direct or somewhat indirect, that there's the feeling that we're taking them along or right, right? right? And, you know, some of it will be very real call and response as well. Like, you know, our, our expectation is that when we release the public beta, we're going to have a good conversation with a good group of them. And then we will do our best to try to implement the things that are very yeah. sticky and very interesting. But yeah. but overall, to try to create that perception yeah. and that's that narrative that they're a part of. Yeah. So just to be clear, I think my side was more that uh, we needed to get all of these. You know, I consider some of these features to be a little bit more volatile, like HealthKit and Core Spotlight, 3D Touch, and all that kind of things. And my idea was that we should really get these out with at least like the earliest version of the app so that people have all of these kind of volatility to play with so that we could uncover like uh, like any kind of bugs or errors or you know like difficulties with specific models of phones that we can like as early as possible any like user experience problems exactly. working with them so, yeah absolutely you know so i mean my thinking there is that you know we didn't really talk about this it's like well like the what is really the goal of a beta launch mm -hmm. right is the goal that you want to captivate a specific group of people so that they become advocates for your app uh, so that they follow your journey so that they become your supporter you're like early adopters. Early adopters. Yeah. Or is it like, you know, like you just want to make sure that all of the volatility, te like technical uncertainties, volatilities are taken care of off the top with a specific like small group of people. And, you know, I'm not really sure because I feel like from a developer's perspective, anytime the developer like ships a new version of the app, there are just bound to be like a number of things that may break. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's there are parts of the app that I don't feel super confident with in terms of being like a hundred percent technically sound. So, so you know, that's kind of my like primary concern with going to beta. But I could see like somebody with a different background like thinking completely different things. Right. Right. Like, right. In terms of I don't know whether it's design UX or storytelling and that kind of stuff right yeah yeah but at the core at the core i think it's still okay as far as this feature set that we just discussed because i think that's in our intention to continue to have conversations with them and see what we could surface during our beta period for any new developments that might be something that the users automatically see as a response to what yeah. they just gave right yeah. so that could be exciting too yeah 
So yeah, I, I think yeah. that's totally great. Well, my question is like, well, what's new candy versus what's just like part of the UX, like a UX improvement, right? Like, right. Cause like, I could see a UX improvement being like, well, now I can get to the workout in another like more efficient way right. that I'm more comfortable with. For right. example, search, 3D touch, right? Any of that stuff, right? right. Siri uh, versus like a new candy, which could be, oh wow, it's on my Apple watch now, or there's sure. a new workout or, you know, I don't know, like now the workout's a hologram, <laughs> <laughs> right? So yeah. I don't know, like, yeah, maybe that's what I feel like not, cause I feel like we're on the same page about it. Right. But maybe that's why I didn't feel as Right, uh, but I think the two, yeah, I think the two things that are kind of imbalanced there is what's the center of the Venn diagram between feasibility and usability, uh, right? Essentially, where the two big questions are, what's going to continue to drive our beta testers through that journey of feeling like they're responding to, oh, this is usable, this is usable. Mm -hmm. uh, whether that means this is experientially, this is a great experience all the way to I'm just having bugs with these features, like that being usable. Yeah. And then for you as a developer to continue to assess what's feasible, especially this being like one of your first like major iOS projects. It is my first major. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think there's any questions yeah. around that. Well, to qualify yeah. that you've had other, other iOS projects, but this is like one of the, yeah. you know, big honking ones. Flirtations, but, but this is a... Yeah. Yeah. This is the real deal. <laughs> this, is, this is I do moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I see it kind of to be the interplay between the two, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Because it wouldn't do you any good to extend you past any feasibility that's yeah. like way beyond control. And, yeah. Um, but also always trying to be attentive to what's actually going to be an interesting experience for the yeah. user. So, yeah. 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 I mean, if any of you guys out there are planning for a public beta launch, like we'd love to hear about your thoughts about this or, you know, if like you and your partners or partner are arguing over certain goals that you have, like we'd love to have a discussion about this as well. Yeah. So send, shoot us an email Absolutely. at hello at core15.co. Yeah. So, so some of the other things that we kind of poured our brain juice over was permission prompts. Yeah. This was an interesting one. Especially yeah. uh, what we had stated before where a lot of the discussion around how to implement some of these new iOS 8, iOS 9 features and best practices around it was still very vague at this at this point that we started getting into it, especially health, right? Yeah. Or the health kit implementation. Yeah, and just to be clear, the two uh, prompts that we were worried about were health kit permissions and push notification mm -hmm. permissions. Yeah. So with, I guess with push notification, there was a lot more already written about push notifications because that's been since the heyday of uh, iPhone development about, you know, making sure that the push notifications don't come in that blitzkrieg yeah. right when you open up the app for the first time <laughs> and there's, yeah. Like seemingly the allow, mobile, allow, 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 yeah, allow. the mobile version of that yeah. pop-up ad experience, yeah, yeah. right? Where it's like, hey, listen to me. I need your location. Hey, I need your contacts. Yeah. Hey, I need yeah. your uh, permissions for notifications. Usually that's uh, a hell no across the board. Yep, right, <laughs> right. And you know, there's already great content that's been and great resources that have been written around making sure that 
these notifications are far more intentional than they've been historically, yeah. being far more contextual. Yeah. And a lot of it is, a lot of the best practices that we've already seen is making sure that there is a dedicated view or a dedicated section of your app to give a little bit more explanation around the value of being able to accept mm -hmm. that official iOS prompt that comes yeah. up that gives you that okay or don't allow. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, sense. like the words you used were intentional and contextual, which yeah. I really liked. Absolutely, yeah. So I think the original inspiration, for example, like right now, our use case for push notification is when there's a new workout available, mm -hmm. we would like to send the users a push notification telling them that it's available. Yeah. So what we do currently is that we have like an additional sort of section after you scroll through all the workouts that says there are more workouts on the way if you know like so and there's a switch that you can switch on to say notify me when there are yeah so but that's what it asks you we've been contemplating whether to make the switch a, a, a button now though but to be a little bit more yeah closer right to the yeah yeah but, I, but i'm talking about like in the the original inspiration yeah, yeah, was yeah the periscope yeah. Which is when you want to broadcast uh, a video, it asks for your camera right. and your audio. And then when you, I think it's like, I'm not sure if it asks for your audio or yeah, not. Like your microphone. Yeah. Access. And then when you want to share uh, a broadcast, uh, it asks for your location. Uh, or I think when you want to like look at all the periscopes that are in your region, that's when it asks for your location. Mm -hmm. uh, I, th I think that really was like a huge inspiration for what, con what contextual means. Yeah, right. And I, I know Alex, you've been developing a, a, with a lot of, um, we're designing against many other possible ways of asking for push notifications. Right, absolutely. Which I thought were really cool. Yeah. So one example I can think of is like, we have two workouts on top of the two that are currently available that are actually grayed out uh, because like those will be launched later in the once like we have officially launched to the app store. So I think the idea there is that when the user, for example, clicks on one of these workouts that are not available, then we would, we would actually ask them. Right. 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 And I think in that moment, it's more powerful because it's actually right up against their intent. They've, yeah. de they've deliberately clicked on an item in your list and had the intent of checking it out or even starting it they were at the gym they were really excited about that photo yeah. that we put against that workout they were really excited about the title and the description yeah ready to go but oh it's not available yet yeah do you want to be notified of it later i think that's the most prime core moment to be yeah. able to reach them at that want level exactly. like i want it now yeah and i will want it later yeah it's far more one-to-one -one, yeah right? yeah well the healthcare one is a little bit different though yeah because <laughs> yeah so basically the idea there is when the uh the, when the, every workout finishes we want to track that workout and the amount of calories that you burned uh, but the first time around, uh, you have to ask for authorization. Mm -hmm. And the way the authorization comes up is a full screen takeover. And depending on what you're asking for, it's a bunch of dials. And our goal is to just get the user to say, allow everything, and then hit allow. But, you know, like initially when I first saw that, I was like, oof, you know, like this is a really overwhelming screen. And I'm not actually sure if people are going to get it. 
Yeah. Especially um, based on how there's no user behavior against this application yeah. itself. Yeah. Or and, and it, like since now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen well other than the Equinox app that I was mentioning before. I've never seen you know like that yet. And and part of that is that I don't I don't use like enough fitness related apps so far. But you know you, even with the ones that I've used, I haven't seen it. So I know that personally, I would have had trouble. So I think what we have currently is that the first time you finish a workout, we kind of have a congratulatory uh, motto that pops up, uh, but that also says, "Hey, you know, we want to track your calories and everything like that into your health app." And you know, we have a lot of hiccups with into health kit. Or a health app, you know, but it's like, well, especially, the user doesn't know what health kit is. You mean, especially around the naming convention of exactly. do we call it health or do we call it health kit? And or I was very confused. App. Yeah, or health <laughs> app. Or do we put quotes around health and then not app? Or do we put yeah. quotes around health and app? There's we want like, to track your health. That's, quotes. that's how much exploration that hasn't been done around this implementation. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. If you got ideas, let us know. Yeah. 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 So basically, you know, like we have a screenshot with like a like a like a Mickey Mouse hand that goes up against allow everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then the important thing there is that we, you know, there's another option that that says maybe later, you know, uh, because once the user uh, hits disallow, then we're never gonna have that chance to ask them in the app again. Right. So can we can we kind of like dive into that a little bit more, just about yeah. like the comparison between an app level uh, an app level okay not okay and yeah. then a settings level okay not okay because exactly. i think i mean yeah. you know i think with push notifications there's a lot of writing around why it's important to capture it at the app level before they disagree Absolutely. at the settings yeah. level but yeah, yeah. i think yeah. that's something that would be awesome to dig a little deeper into. yeah yeah i mean i i think it's I mean, I, I haven't seen anything that goes against it, but you know, like it just, you should always get the no from the user on your own, in your own app before right. the, cause there's like the system level prompts, which you only have one shot at. That little gray one that appears yeah. with the little blue action, the blue action text that say, okay, or don't. Yeah, yeah. Or with healthcare, just the whole, it's a whole Settings screen page. <laughs> yeah, so, right, right. Yeah, so. You know, I feel like there shouldn't be too much controversy around it as far as like, yeah, you should definitely implement your own model. But as far as like what I see, I don't see a lot of it. Right. Uh, I don't see folks doing it out there with their apps. Right. Uh, and I still see most of the time just like a very sort of rude uh, alert box that comes up that says like, so-and-so app wants your location. <laughs> Right, you know, and my default answer to those at the moment now is no, no. but you know, but I don't know though. Yeah. You know, maybe like with the data show us that most people would say yes. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I and I think the discussion or like the dialogue there almost, especially because now we've done a little bit of work, a little bit of work against that whole experience. Yeah. that the dialogue almost sounds like when they blitzkrieg you with all of those prompts at the very beginning of the app. Yeah. It almost feels like they're saying. Hey, we would just like access to all of these really like intimate things to your experience with your phone. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what we're gonna do with it yet, but we just <laughs> yeah. need it to yeah. be turned on all the time for future features, yeah. right? Like that's yeah. the type of 
dialogue that I feel like is happening yeah. when they don't give you context. <laughs> yeah, guys, don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> don't do this. Yeah, because automatically you will have at least two yeah. people that say, don't allow yeah. right off the bat. <laughs> we, hopefully, all the listeners of this app, of this podcast who are making apps would have like super like kick-ass models. <laughs> yeah. Free permission asking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, that's my that's my fingers crossed moment right there. Yeah, absolutely. So what is like our current status for the beta right now? Because as we speak, seems like iTunes Connect is completely stuck. Yeah, so we're really excited to have uh, just about a hundred people in our beta group. As a quick refresher, a lot of that was accumulated through our landing page. Oh, by the way, I just checked. A pass. Latest, latest version is ready. Oh man, asking you will receive yeah. <laughs> or yeah. complain not enough and then it'll be passed through. <laughs> it's funny because I had three versions of it being processed. Right. So there's the idea of processing like what like your ver- your new uploads <laughs> and Maybe, the, the yeah. latest one uh, actually got processed first <laughs> the other two seem to just be like forever stuck hmm. i don't i don't really know Maybe Apple just can't handle our iteration velocity. It's too fast. <laughs> too too fast. serious. <laughs> too fast, too serious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, our uh, beta group, which uh, um, as mentioned before, uh, we primarily gathered them through our landing page, uh, which we drove traffic through, through some targeted marketing and through social media um, and through some of our um, networks as well has reached about 100 people, which we're really excited about because I think that's going to be a strong starting group to be able to test this app against, get some valuable feedback about the content, get some valuable feedback about the usability. And um, some of these people have also ranged internationally to places like Australia and Europe. Um, The only reason why we were able to actually qualify that was because they actually provided their phone numbers as well <laughs> to get a direct yeah. like on the call out on their well, MailChimp page. also knows and MailChimp yeah. knows too that's true yeah that's true yeah um, but just a minor correction not reached but we reached many more people than that but yes, about right. 100 people signed up yeah that's yeah. true right right exactly yeah, the, yeah. the difference between yeah. impressions and conversion conversion yes that's the word exactly (laughs) and we've reached a lot more people absolutely but converted uh, about 100 people which was a really good percentage in terms of what we expected yeah and and I, I, I guess it's really just the excitement around kind of having the feeling of a community regardless of how small it's it's the feeling that we have people around our little storefront yeah uh, ready for the doors to open and giving us a little bit of a down on yeah what their experience is like and i think that's a re- that, that, that's ultimately why i think i personally do this and why i vibe with working with you because this is mm-hmm. really tapping into the core nature of why we like making and crafting mm-hmm. these digital products is to really get a sense of what yeah. is the customer's face gonna look like yeah you know yeah. what is their yeah. feedback going to sound like Are they going to yell at us for things because it's not matching their expectation or are they going to celebrate in some awesome features that you put out? And I think both of those things are equally exciting. Yeah. 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 I mean, if anyone ever says, I was able to search for Tabata and get to that workout, (laughs) that would make my day. If one of our customers actually says, I used quote-unquote core spotlight to find your workout, I would just like... (laughs) fall over on my yeah. chair that'd be crazy yeah. 
uh, a little, yeah. uh, so a little bit more just like prep work around the beta launch. You know, we had to make sure that we uh, crafted an email that was uh, going to assist the customers on directing them on how to get the beta mm -hmm. uh, put onto their phones because right now, unfortunately, it's not an easy program with iOS to be able to give that directly to the users. So yeah. right now we're using um, the test flight app. And at that point it starts feeling like the app yeah. store, but mm -hmm. just getting that set up feels foreign to a lot of users. Yeah. Like, what is test flight? Big time. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what this is. I'm gonna have to put another app to download your app. And yeah. there's really like, so we had to make sure we crafted a, a, a a kind of a, an engaging and interesting yeah. and fun there's almost a tutorial that. aspect yes yeah what is that right? yeah yeah, yeah with gifts of walkthroughs and everything like that absolutely and yeah. that's where we're making sure to really chime in on that whole idea of hey you're getting this for free like yeah. there's a little bit of setup to do but hey you're getting it for free yeah so this is the awesome exchange <laughs> between you and us yeah and so you know yeah. how hard is it to put uh, a test flight app onto your phone <laughs> so yeah. it's a little bit of that exchange i want to see on. how many people out of a hundred actually go and do this yeah absolutely that'll be a really good metric to kind of yeah. uh, plug into the rest of the community yeah. as well and test against other people's progress yeah so speaking of community building you know we've been putting a lot of work into our social media game namely pinterest and instagram because i you know i'm not sure if like that is super clear to a lot of uh indie mobile developers and designers out there you know, I, I think a lot of apps do have like an Instagram account, right. um, but you know, like maybe it's just not clear, like, well, like, what is my goal? Like, well, I get that I want more downloads, but what do I take photos of? Or, right. right. What am I really doing here? Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Do and you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. I mean, it's been something that's been discussed around like our circles, at least, um, but uh, community building, right? I think that's a really important component of making sure that the early adopters that you have are motivated and uh -huh. engaged and making yeah. sure that any new customers are seeing that there's an honest product against the market. Yeah, you know, some of my favorite content on our account right now is just you and I uh, trying to accomplish the workouts that are on our app and just kind of how we struggle, uh, even as creators of the app. You know, and just kind of like some of the things that we're eating when we're trying to eat healthy and, um, you know, like what the behind the scenes are like when we're sh the, when we were shooting the videos and working on the app and things like that. Um, and I think that's, you know, I, we've gotten pretty good responses from the community on just like, wow, you know, that's cool because, um, you know, we just don't see how the sausage is being made, I guess, you know, for like... I guess like you know most of the other apps that you actually use on a daily basis cool so i think that marks the end of this episode of buildcast you know i'm gonna go and ship this beta that we have so yeah stay tuned and we'll uh, get back to you soon buildcast is brought to you by feifan wan and alex kim you can find all episodes at buildcast.fm. You can also find the app that we're building at core15.co. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to tweet at us at buildcast.fm. Thank you for listening. See you next time.